I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, down there in Miami, Florida, where it was, it looked like a little bit cold because the Tennessee Volunteers uh, rolled into your uh, your hometown, your area of expertise, Wes, and dismantled uh, the Clemson Tigers in the orangest of orange bowls. Were you in attendance? Were you tailgating before? How is the Tennessee takeover uh, in Miami right now? Um, can't say that I was tailgating on the property, but definitely mm-hmm. tailgating in spirit wherever it was that I was. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of drinking over the holiday <laughs> weekend. So <laughs> I was tailgating in spirit for sure. I like it. I like it. Did you see a lot of Tennessee folks? Did you go out and about and see more Clemson folks? How was it? I actually went up to Savannah, Georgia for that those those few days so i wasn't mm-hmm. even in miami for that time i went up to savannah to visit uh my brother and his wife uh me and my wife went up there and so we spent that weekend over there so can't say i, I said any, saw anything here i like it i you know what's weird is i'm from georgia i lived there up until uh a few years ago and um never been to savannah it's always been on the bucket list i've never gone down i've never never done it the wife and i were talking about it uh, a couple weeks ago actually but yeah savannah seems pretty nice do you, do you like it does your brother like it uh, I love we have my wife and I have actually been there twice in the last two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever reason, we just ended up saying, you know what, let's just do New Year's Eve up there. Um, we really enjoy it. Super haunted, definitely haunted. <laughs> but what I like about it is that it's not like Disney World. Mm-hmm. It's not like, hey, look at this spooky thing over here and this haunted thing over there. It's just mm-hmm. like it's very matter of fact. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's haunted. But you have like they only tell you if you ask, and it's just sort of a matter of fact, understood thing. But for the most part, cool college town scads right there around the corner, good mm-hmm. bars. Uh, shout out to Abe's on Lincoln, great bar there, and uh, it's just a good, it's a good down to earth, good time. I like it. Have you been to a Savannah Bananas game yet? No, that's still on the list for that's sure. It's on the list, man. I got to see that. I, I showed my wife a video of like what the games are like because uh, she's not a big sports person. And uh, that's like one of those where I was like, look, it's not really a sporting event. Like if you go to me with that one, it's 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 more up your alley. Yeah, uh, it's like a Las Vegas show. Yes, exactly. Um, Wes. Yeah. The Miami Heat are playing slightly better basketball. They're maybe turning the corner. Maybe people wrote the RIP a little bit too quickly when it came to the Miami Heat where we've seen this before um what's flipped uh as of late with Miami so they've won eight of their last 11 games um Mm. I think the biggest thing here is just 
the health of the team. They've had their preferred starting lineup for just 13 games all season. Um, they've had so many injuries and, uh, to their key players that they've had a really hard time finding a rhythm. Mm. And this is a team that, yeah, you look at it, there was a lot of chemistry in terms of the guys in that locker room. They really haven't turned over the locker room all that much. But in terms of roles, a lot of things changed going into this year. Bam Adebayo having to take a step up. Tyler Hero incorporated into the starting lineup trying to make Victor Oladipo a full-time sort of sixth man and a bunch of other things. So oh, there was a lot of other things that Nate needed to figure out. And given that the starting lineup had so little time together, they just had a hard time figuring that stuff out through the first quarter or so of the season. So they're finally healthy. They're winning games. Uh, and I do think that they're starting. There is a vibe with that team that they were like, hey, like once we get our guys, and look, every team is going to say that. But the, the drop-off between Miami's best players and like that kind of plucky undrafted group is a big gap. Um, and so once they got their guys and they were able to figure things out, there's a sense among the, the guys in that locker room, like, Hey, we're going to, we're sort of a sleeping giant. We're going to be able to go on a run. We're, we're really confident that we're a legit competitive playoff team. And so they're starting to turn that corner a little bit. There's still some things that I have, you know, my concerns with like the, the aforementioned undrafted guys. Gabe Vincent, Max Strews, Duncan Robinson, like that kind of group. Can they finally start making some three-point shots? Because if mm -hmm. they don't, then I, I think there's a pretty hard ceiling on this team as good as Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo have been. Um, but overall, I think like the best days of this season are ahead of the Miami Heat, not behind them. Have they been missing, like in terms of Strews and um, Duncan, have they been good looks? Have they been just a lot of tough looks? Have uh, teams defended them differently this year than they have in years past. Why Why haven't they been falling for them? I can't answer that. I have no mm. idea. Uh, the looks have been good, man. Like they've been, they've been the looks that they always get. I mean, that Bam out of bio Duncan Robinson dribble handoff thing that took them all the way to the finals in the bubble, mm. like that's still there every single night. And um, it's hard to defend movement shooters. Uh, the problem is that, or like the, the movement shooters just haven't been making those movement shots, but they're mm. there. You know, and so uh, with Bam and Tyler Heroes too, like they're starting to attract so much more attention. So even if other, uh, like even if opponents are sort of wise to the fact that Duncan Robinson and Max Drews are good shooters now because they've been on the scattering report for a couple of years, Tyler Hero is demanding double teams, uh, like 30 feet out. Bam out of bio is demanding double teams once he kind of crosses that free throw line extended. And that's starting to create new looks, but still open looks for Strews and Duncan Robinson and Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin, all these guys, all these guys shot like over 36% last year. Among that group, only Caleb Martin is still shooting above that rate. Everybody mm. else is below 36%, and that's not a good mark for them. How much of this is Tyler Hero's fault for becoming a really good player? All of it. It's all on Tyler Hero. <laughs> we can all play. Uh, it's actually been really remarkable to see him sort of flourish in that starting job. I know there was a lot of people out there that thought he was sort of just a sixth man mm -hmm. stat stuffer guy and and kind of even though he was almost unanimous the sixth man of the year, sort of like kind of turned their nose up at it like we didn't really want to vote for you but there's nobody else that was good enough. Like we're not really into points anymore. And I just kind of kept reminding people like points are still the most important part in basketball. I know that we're all super smart about basketball now and we love two-way players and defense and that kind of stuff. And I love that stuff as much as the next guy. But Points at the end of the day, like scoring more than those than your opponent is still the most important part of basketball. It's the whole point. And when you got a guy averaging 20 plus off the bench, that's a really good mark. But to do that now, to basically maintain those numbers and then increase the efficiency this year as a starter going up against starters the entire time or for the most part, um, 
certainly more often. That's been pretty remarkable. And and then the eye test bears it out. He's a better playmaker. He's he's better at just sort of picking his spots in the game. He doesn't it doesn't feel like, hey, microwave score, go out there and just get us a bunch of buckets. He's mm. he's doing it within the flow of the game. His floor game has improved. Um, and that's why I kind of am still a little bullish on the heat, depending on what your expectations are. Because if everybody can kind of catch up to Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, then I actually think this team could be quite good. I, d- I don't think that they're a championship contender. I don't think they're within that inner circle. But I think they could be still much better than what their record shows right now. Which lineups are working the best right now? The starting lineup. Mm. Uh, they're in those, again, those 13 games are like 8.3, outscoring opponents by 8.3 points per 100 possessions. I think I got that number right off the top of mm-hmm. my head. Um, that's a really good group. That's a really good ranking. Their bench, was, which was one of the top five benches in the league last year, um, by most markers, uh, is bottom five hmm. in almost every marker this year. That's the problem, is that those, it, it's just, the caboose isn't up to the, to the head of the train. I don't, I know the caboose is the back of the train. I'm not really <laughs> sure the head of the train is, uh, it might just be called the head of the train. I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. Train. I, as uh, a guy who spent the first like four or five years of his birthdays on trains, my great grandfather worked on the Atlanta Railroad. I should know this. Yeah, Big train guy, and I don't know what you call the front of the train. Apologies. Uh, what's the front of a boat called? Like the bow? That doesn't. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't make sense. The uh, train called it is uh, the front of a train is called a locomotive. Hmm. Huh. All right. Yeah. The caboose has got to catch yeah. up to the locomotive. Yeah. There you go. There it is. Extended metaphor. We got it. We worked on it. <laughs> um, that's good stuff. Uh, and now we know. We always want to learn stuff on this podcast, uh, Wes. That's that's the main uh, name of the game here. Um, is there any trades uh, that make sense in the next month? It's interesting because I feel like what we talked about last time uh, on this program, we were talking about the Heat, Wes. Uh, Kyle Lowry is just the forgotten player. Like yeah. We've gone nine minutes and have not mentioned Kyle Lowry once. And he was the big addition months and months ago and it still just like comes down to bam and jimmy and the dribble handoff tyler hero's development and then the bench falling off none of this has to do with kyle lowry like has he just been like a bystander to what's happening positive or negative like what's what's going on with kyle lowry and his fit with this group do do you see him being with this team past the deadline like what's what's happening with chloe uh he's been sort of the scapegoat Mm. Uh, for Heat fans down here. Um, look, I and the Heat fans that are, I don't know that they watched him in Toronto. They're like, why isn't he scoring more? It's like, because he never did. Like, I, <laughs> you just, that's not it. He's a guy that averaged 18 to 20 points per game. He's not averaging nearly that. He could do more scoring for sure. Um, but he is a little bit of a, use the word bystander, and that's a really good representation of what it looks like when he's on the court. Mm. What all that Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo stuff that we're talking about, it is a little bit like blame Tyler here because. I don't know that the Heat were unprepared for the leaps that Bam and Tyler have made this year. And that two-man game, there's a budding chemistry that's happening with them that has sort of become their initial trigger in a lot of their offense, especially with Jimmy missing so many games. They've had to find just a a, a staple in their offense that wasn't Jimmy Butler getting into the low block and then either spraying or scoring from there. And so they've leaned a, really far into this Tyler Hero, Bam, out of bio pick and roll stuff. Um, and it's been working. It's mm. they're, they're, it's the eighth most productive pick and roll partnership in the NBA. So it's it's been good for them. The the sort of unintended consequence of that is what do you do with Kyle Lowry? Because mm. he is still a guy who is unselfish, but needs to at least initiate and and have the ball in his hands to initiate. Off the ball, he can work, but the catch and shoot numbers have just not been where they need to be. 
And so if he can be blamed for anything, it's that the shot hasn't gone in. A lot of it just looks flat. He doesn't really have his legs under him, but he's also, you know, 35, 36 years old. Like that's just sort of what happens to smaller point guards. And so um, I don't know that you can blame him. He's actually, to me, he looks like he's in great shape. I just think it's maybe an age thing or, Mm. or a rhythm thing. I don't, I don't really, I can't really speak to what it is, but uh, you mentioned the trade deadline and, Look, I love Kyle Lowry. I love that he's on this Heat team and I get to watch him and be in the locker room with him. I have no issues with Kyle Lowry. But if this is going to be what Kyle Lowry is for this team, then he kind of becomes sort of it's just uh, like you get you're getting diminished returns on still who I think is a good player, like a top 80-ish player in the NBA. Do you consider trading him and say, you know what? We don't really need that traditional point guard. We could do the Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler with those three guys. We have enough unselfish playmaking kind of guys to sort of manufacture offense in that way. Do we look to maybe address other needs, whether it's on the wing, backup three point or backup scoring, address the bench, uh, maybe get a front uh, more more size in the front court, more athleticism? Like all these things are real needs for this team. And if Lowry is just not going to be what you needed him to be when you acquired him going into last season, what he was for you for for certain stretches of last season, if he's just not going to be that and you don't need him anymore, maybe you do look to move him. The problem is that he's like best friends with Jimmy Butler. He's like the godfather of Jimmy Butler's kids. Jimmy Butler is the star on this team. You need his buy-in. But if you're able to convince Jimmy, like, hey, this is going to better our chances to go ahead and win a championship, I have a hard time seeing Jimmy Butler saying no to that anyway. Hmm. Um, They became best friends when they never played with each other. It's not like these guys can't still hang out and talk. So, um, yeah, I, I think Lowry's an interesting name. I still think that ultimately a big shakeup trade like that, more likely to happen in the offseason. But I also wouldn't rule it out with this with this front office. So who knows? Like the, this window is closing. They know that. Um best game they've played of late. Like when uh, this is the last game of the heat that I'm curious about. So the best game that you've seen them play, and then you're like, okay, this is the best version of what this team can be. And they showed it in this particular game. What was it for you? wasn't even a full game man it was mm. the first half of the win over the clippers um they they took a 21 point lead in the second quarter they ended up giving the entire lead back in the third quarter and then kind of uh eked out the win at the end of the fourth quarter there but that first half of basketball that the heat played against the clippers mm. they had not looked as good offensively or defensively they had their starting lineup uh that was the 13th game that they had them they had Victor Oladipo, who's been back uh from the bench another reason for optimism since Victor Oladipo got back at the beginning of December they went from a, do- a bottom five bench to about average, hmm. in, which is a which is a really good you know improvement there. Um, and Oladipo looked great offensively. He had burst defensively. He was all up into everybody's grill on the Clippers. The Clippers were without Kawhi Leonard, worth mentioning. But in terms of the Heat, they were just flowing offensively. Everything looked good. Um, and so, if I'm like the Heat's coaches, I'm just playing that film on loop, being like, look how good we can be uh, when we're firing on all cylinders. I like it. Uh, speaking of firing on all cylinders, Wes Goldberg, um, the New Jersey Brooklyn Nets of <laughs> New York, sir, they are playing fantastic basketball. And one of the biggest things that it's weird because the thing about Kevin Durant and Kyrie and this group, the best version of this team is what we saw a couple years ago where it's like, the Bucks still barely got by Kevin Durant by himself late right. in the series a couple years ago. And part of that is the reason that the Mavericks went to the Western Conference Finals last year. So when you see the best two half-court offenses in basketball are the Brooklyn Nets 
and the Dallas Mavericks, you're like, oh, right. That's the stuff that like, yeah, they might have their ebbs and flows. It might be ugly in the regular season, but nobody wants to play out of those two teams come playoff time because Luka is so difficult in the half court and it's just going to be really hard to beat him four times when games slow down. And it's why I've never really bought into the Memphis Grizzlies over the course of a Western Conference Finals run where I just you don't see it in the half court. I just I don't know if they'll ever be that half court team that can run the gauntlet like this. The Heat have done obviously great stuff in that regard as well. And one of the reasons that they are so good uh, come playoff time, both their defense and the dribble handoffs and what Jimmy is in the half court. And, you know, that matters. I think the Nets being number one here and when you watch how they close games and you watch when things get tight and they're healthy now, I just I think they're the favorites in the East. I think they're the favorites over the Bucks. I think they're the favorites over um, the Sixers, favorites over uh, anyone right now uh in the eastern conference and i don't i don't think that's that hot of a take do you do you share that sentiment that with them being the best half court offense in the nba how do we not consider them the favorites in the east right now with everybody being healthy i don't know that i'm there with you in terms of sort of anointing them the favorites although they look like they're 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 contenders and Mm. based on where we were coming into the season that's um, that's incredible it's remarkable that they're even contending right now uh, and I share everything that you're all the sentiments about the half court offense and how great they look. Kevin Durant is just, I'm going to use this word. And I don't love it for him. He's like gliding through games, but I don't mean that in a way where he's like passive. He's just so above the rest of basketball. He just seems to be soaring above the sport right now and shooting 50 plus percent from mid range and true shooting percentage at like a billion percent. Like it's just unbelievable what he's able to do. He's, he's just reached this. He's not as athletic as he once was, but he's just so smart and he's so patient and he's just, so smooth with everything that he's doing it's 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 incredible to watch him Kyrie Irving is playing amazing um they're getting real contributions like they figured out the Ben Simmons thing they're not trying too hard to work him into stuff they're just sort of letting Ben Simmons be Ben Simmons um Bruce O'Neill has given him good minutes uh Nick Claxton has given him awesome minutes uh they just got Seth Curry back they're getting uh TJ Warren they just got him back and he's been really really good for them as a bench scorer He's um, so good. Another half court guy. Where another just half the court bubble guy. TJ Warren, where it's like, I just I want no part of this team in the playoffs. My thing about sort of talking about them as the favorites in the East, that requires a certain amount of projecting forward mm-hmm. that I'm still just really uncomfortable doing with this team because anything can happen. Like we're yeah. really, what you're really asking, can Kevin Durant sustain this for five more months? I uh, this is a guy with injury. Uh, a, a past of injuries like I don't I, and he's playing maybe the I think he's still playing the most minutes in the NBA he's suddenly mm-hmm. top five that's a lot of wear and tear on him um Kyrie Irving do you trust him to for something not to happen in in the world of Kyrie in the next five months I don't like it's just he hasn't really gone that long without making some sort of distraction out of nowhere so um that's sort of where I am and the other thing too is I'm not that worried about the Celtics mm. um I think there's another like do they at what point do they go back to the Robert Williams Al Horford that's our starting group with Tatum and Brown and Marcus Smart do they go back to that I think the defensive issues will can get fixed in that way um once Robert Williams sort of has his legs back under him coming back from the surgery that's going to just take a minute I think and then shooting wise they're not going to shoot like they did the first month of the season for the entire season they're not going to shoot like they have this last month which has been one of the worst five shooting performances by a team in the league over the last month, I think they're better than that too. So I think the offense will level out defensively. I think they're going to get a lot better. I would still consider Boston the favorites in the East, hmm. but I'm, I'm still like, 
to me, it's a pretty clear top three between Boston, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. And don't sleep on the Sixers. Like, they're still sort of – they've been rolling a little bit. They've got their guys back. Tyrese Maxey just got back. They're still sort of on the fringe of that conversation. Do you know who's the best point differential right now in the NBA? Uh, is it is it the Pelicans? Cleveland. Is it Cle- It's Cleveland, yeah. Pelicans, are, I think, are number two. Yes. They're tied with ba- – or they're basically tied with Brooklyn at number two, 4.5. Yeah. Boston's number two at five point. Too. Uh, but it, the last three, or the last three games, Brooklyn plus eighteen, they're unbelievable. No, Brooklyn is rolling through the league right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, very curious uh, to see what happens here. Um, and they also could. They have some expiring. They have stuff that they can do to add another big, just to kind of give some cushion for Nick Claxton because of the injury stuff. And just you need mm-hmm. him healthy, and he's just such an important player that you want to like not have to rely on like Sharp or uh, somebody else there at the yeah. five come playoff time. You want to you want to have another body. Be like, hey, Rudy Gobert. Uh, we'll uh, we'll take Rudy Gobert off your hands. Who cares? <laughs> what money isn't real here in Brooklyn? We'll just create the most highly combustible roster of all time, and uh, see what happens. But we'll get into Rudy Gobert in a second. Um, what would you like to see them to do in the next month, though? Is there any particular trade? Is there any last thing the Nets could do that would sell you on them being a bigger threat to the East than the Celtics? Is there anything in that matchup that they could do to flip it for you? <sighs> I mean, not really. I actually really like their roster. I like their roster going into the season. I just have trust issues with this team, the way that they've mm. treated me and everybody else for the last three years. Like, I just have well, well worn trust issues with them. So it's not really a move. Yeah, I guess they could use size in the front court, but when they get other guys, my thing is, yeah, would you would you like to have a bigger body to go against like a Joel Embiid or, you know, Brooke Lopez in that group? I guess, but I, I still think when the Nets are at their best it's when they're dictating the terms of engagement and they're getting teams to adjust to them they're Mm. they're amazing in the half court no doubt about it but they're also really great in transition and if they could play that up tempo type of game against milwaukee milwaukee's half court offense is is in the toilet by the way and has been all year um i still trust the nets to figure it out how, how to score against them defensively so yeah i don't really know that there's a move that they need to make necessarily it's just I think it's fair to say, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna trust you until you, you've done it. Like, I'm not gonna believe in you as a title contender until you've actually done it, and and something hasn't, you know, you haven't either created some self-inflicted wounds or or some or injury or something like that doesn't derail your title hopes. Like, just just do it. And I enjoy watching them. Um, I'm just gonna keep doing that until it helps that Joe Harris is shooting 38% from three, so he's back. Um, Very good. And Royce O'Neal's shooting 43% from three. He's been yeah. great for them. Like, And it's the other thing, too, is just they're only vets. Like, they're only vets and guys who have been in a lot of playoff games. And that ultimately matters. You being a Heat guy, you know how important it is to just only play vets um, come playoff time. But, I mean, they're third in offense, eighth in defense. But the offense, like, they are doing the Spurs thing where they're 28th and three-pointer uh, three-pointers taken and then number two in the league. So it's like the ones they do take, they're hitting and right. everything else is just Kevin Durant and Kyrie killing you in the mid-range or at the rim. And then they haven't got to the line. They're 28th in free throw attempts. Like they haven't, it, Kevin Durant and Kyrie and company aren't even drawing a bunch of fouls and you're like, they're still the number three offense. I don't know. I just think... It's not a shot. It's not really the profile of, of a great offense. Right. The only thing is that... Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are that good as yeah. isolation scorers, especially in the mid-range. They're number one mid-range team in the league by percentage by a lot. 
by a mile. Um, and most of the time that stuff isn't sustainable. Right. But I have no reason to think that for this team it's not because it's Kevin Durant and it's been sustainable for whatever, 15, 16 years for him. And and for Kyrie Irving, as long as he's on the court, most of the time, this is what you're going to get. Now, Kyrie Irving has had some playoff issues in the past, um, but if he could be like this in the playoffs, yeah, no team wants to play them. Um, teams that uh, everybody wants to play uh, is the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, right now. Wes, this is like I when I like some things I'll hit. Like I had the Raptors winning the finals a couple years ago before the the finals run. This is a miss for me, Wes. This like Same. the Wolves are one of the biggest misses for me going into the NBA season. I think of my adult life. I had them being the number one seed in the Western Conference coming in this year. Where I was like, they're going to play six or seven guys. They traded all their depth. They should be healthy. Anthony Edwards, I think, could be the best player in basketball in the next two to three years. Rudy Gobert is going to gobble up a lot of rebounds. They're going to have a top five defense. Towns and him will have a weird fit, but you can stagger him. They should do like there's just enough talent there that they yeah. should be able to just gobble up a bunch of regular season wins. I don't trust them come playoff time, but they should eat up the regular season. They are not. Eating I said the same thing. I said this is okay. going to be top 10 offense, top 10 defense, right? 50 plus wins, mark it down. I think the Vegas over under was at 48 and a half, 49 I think and a half, get something it. like that. Um, I was with you. I was all in mm -hmm. on Minnesota as a regular season team. I picked them in every single preview that we did, everything like that. Uh, I was very wrong. They're what, 14th in offensive rating? 17 and 21 total. Uh, they're 15th in defense, 20th in offense right now. 20th in offense. Yeah. Not, 23rd in net rating in the league. Not great. Not great. Um, look, I, I, the Rudy Gobert trade is an absolute disaster. That much has mm. been proven at this point. I, I don't really know how you come back from this. And now there's sort of some scuttle about maybe they trade Carl Anthony Towns to sort of reset things and recoup some of the traffics like that you trade for Gobert. So basically, what you're telling me is you're going to trade Carl Anthony Towns for Rudy Gobert. That's not a great deal. Um, considering how Rudy Gobert, how poorly he looks lately. Um, the other part of it, too, is like, I, I thought they would, I, I kind of feel like we fetishize fit a little bit too much in NBA mm. conversation. Just sometimes talent ends up taking over, at least in the regular season in, in terms of just piling up wins and stuff like that. Um, like, like fit and chemistry, that's first world problems in the NBA. Sometimes you just need to get talent and then accumulate some wins and then figure out that stuff later on in terms mm. of fit and chemistry. And on the court stuff like that but um this is there, there's just these are four guys that don't want to play together it doesn't seem like they have no interest in learning how to play together and and look it's it's d'angelo russell who's been with an, a lot of different teams and I, I covered him when he was in golden state and he didn't really have all that much interest in fitting in in golden state he was just going to do d'angelo russell things and he did and then he got traded at the deadline mm. so this is a guy with a track record of not really wanting to fit in um, for better or for worse. Anthony Edwards is still really young. To ask him to not only take that leap that you want him to take, but also fit in with like three other quote-unquote stars, that's just a lot to put on Anthony Edwards at his age, at this point in his developmental curve in his career. Rudy Gobert is just what he is. There's no versatility in his game. If you, if, if you let him do what he can do, he's very good at it. But if you don't let him do that stuff, he just doesn't really bring much to the table. And then Carl Anthony Towns, how many star teammates has this guy been through that have just either been fed up with him or, or it didn't work for one reason or the other? He's just not really a guy who meshes with other guys. And you're like, well, you're a pick-and-pop big. You're one of the most versatile offensive bigs we've ever had in the game. 
why wouldn't it work? And just for some reason, it just doesn't with him. Um, so yeah, you just sort of go down the list and you're like, yeah, I, I can, you don't really have that one fixture, that one guy, the culture setter, the guy that just makes everybody connect. If you just had that one guy to make everybody connect, maybe there's a way to salvage this thing. But um, the Timberwolves just look like a completely disconnected team and a poorly constructed one. And this Rudy Gobert trade, again, is just a complete miss. And you can't do anything with Gobert. He's he's part nope. of this long-term like build. It's him and Edwards are just untouchable for very different reasons. Those yeah. two are untouchable. So I think to kind of get out of this, Towns has to be the fall guy. And um, I... Look, I, it's a tough spot to be in, but if I am, uh, if I am a Rod, and many times I wonder, what would I do if I was Alex Rodriguez? Many who doesn't think about who, that, all right? Who doesn't? Um, or Mark Lore is that the other co-owner? I think it's yeah. Mark Lore. Um, Lore, Lore. Um, but either way, I'm coming into this situation now, being like, all right, we are moving on from Chris Finch, we are bringing in Quinn Snyder, and we are recreating the Jazz from uh, the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert era, and we're just doing that all over again with Anthony Edwards and uh, Rudy Gobert. Didn't win a title in Utah. It won a bunch of games. It might not be the most exciting fit, but like that's what you have to do. Like You have to just scrap everything, just run it back, and recreate a Jazz team that just created the perfect pick and roll offense yeah. like people forget like there was the drop coverage and what rudy gobert was doing uh with donovan mitchell it worked really well this is a team that won a bunch of regular season games <clears throat> but you can't do that with carl anthony downs and you can't do that with d'angelo russell being your your lead guard so those guys have to go and then you just recreate uh jazz Man- or jazz mania who doesn't want that in minnesota <laughs> it's a depressing thought man if you're a timberwolves fan these, these yeah. are rough times but it's not that rough because you still have a 21 year old Anthony Edwards. Like that's my thing when you come back to it. It's just like with the Hawks, me dealing with just everything here. Like we're we're at the end of um, look. I'm I'm pretty pretty down on where things things are <laughs> headed. Like I think uh, we're less than a year out from Trey Young asking for a trade from Atlanta. Yeah. But um, I don't think they're there yet with Minnesota. And you have somebody who can be the best player in basketball like the guy that everyone wants which is a wing who can do everything shoot dunk defend everything size like those are the guys that are just they never pop in the draft they they're just they're never around and mm-hmm. if you develop in the right way then you might have a michael jordan on your hands like that's and i don't want to throw Last, the next michael jordan it, but it's like it, it, it's a glass half full take, yes. right? And and look, Carl Anthony Towns is a guy who's not stepped up in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, he can put up numbers, but he makes really bad mistakes almost every series. Um, if you trade him and you can get a bunch of stuff back, okay, now you're starting to recoup some of the draft assets that you lost. You simplify things for a young Anthony Edwards. Hey, man, it's pick and roll. When they mm-hmm. go under, do your thing. When they go over, hit Rudy Gobert on the lob. That's your job for now on, yes. on offense. Just go ahead and do that. Um, D'Angelo Russell, just trade him. Like, I don't mm. know what you can get between the Towns. They're tight anyway. Just they're a package deal. Yeah. Trade him. Like, hey, where mm. do you guys want to play? What's mm. a what's a franchise that doesn't matter right now? You guys just go there. Um I don't even know where then, the best fit is. Like, who where is that fit? It was Minnesota. And then they drafted <laughs> Anthony Edwards, and they're like, Oh, now we have a player that actually matters now. Um mm. what's a team that doesn't matter? Like the Spurs don't really matter, but they've got some nice young players. They're, on, they they're leading up. the Victor Wembenyama sweepstakes right now. That's true. Whoever doesn't get Wembenyama maybe trades like the fifth pick in the draft for for Carl Anthony Towns or something. I don't know. Um, it's got to be a weird team that wants to build through the middle. It has to be like a Wizards or Portland 
or the Kings already did with Sabonis. Um, did you do it? Could you could you send him to the Lakers? No, I don't. Who are you sending back if you're the Lakers? Westbrook. No, that's not enough. You that's that's not enough. You'd have and to the send two, and the and the two unprotected picks. No, I mean, D'Angelo Russell is not an asset right now. Like no. that's just that's a throw in. So basically, you'd be trading two unprotected picks for Carl Anthony Towns, and that doesn't feel like enough for Cat. So yeah, I just I don't. You look around the right league, and I'm just like, I don't know who it is. Maybe you do. You call Detroit for um, interesting Killian Hayes and Bo uh, Bojan Bojan Bogdanovic. I'm telling you, I'm recreating yeah. the Jazz. You are just do it. Like, who, where's Joe Ingles now? He's on Milwaukee. Okay, let's mm. call the Bucks. We'll give you. Uh, yeah, but Carl Anthony Towns on the Bucks. That'd be interesting. How about <sighs> that for a reset up, the timeline type deal for the Bucks? You know, Brooke Lopez. He's what 34 years old. You could trade Brooke Lopez on an expiring contract. Give him Joe Ingles because they want him. Mm. And then Towns. They don't have any first round picks though with the Bucks because yeah. they traded them all for Drew Holiday. So that doesn't make any sense either. The ultimate, um, like, just magic. I, they have, I mean, they're, I don't think he fits. We like the magic. Want. Yeah. He won't defend like what they're looking for. And I think they're, that's already a pretty crowded front court. Maybe the, um, uh, who, uh, well, Dallas would have been awesome, but I don't think they can do that. Like, Dallas, him and Luca would be, would be a lot of fun. Um, in the half court and closing games. I don't know if Luca and him would vibe all that well, but what if he um, did like, uh, Chicago? Cat and D'Lo to Chicago for like Vucevic. We're trying to make oh, Chicago less depressing. Yeah, we're, that's we're true. trying to make them less depressing. Oh, the Wizards! The Wizards are the most ridiculous franchise. Could you get Bradley Beal? I don't think they're doing that for Bradley Beal. I think you can get more for Bradley Beal. Probably could, but like Beal and a bunch of picks. Yeah. Now you're doing Beal for like Edwards. Like you're not doing. Oh, really? I the, the Wizards need to trade Beal. Whatever the Wizards. The answer to the original question was, what's the team yeah. that matters the least in the NBA? And right now it is the Washington Wizards. So, yeah. Go Wizards. Um, Wes, what can the good folks check out from you over on Locked on Heat this week? Um, well, we've got recaps of the West, West Coast uh, games right now that are starting at 10 and 1030 if you're on the East Coast. So if you don't want to stay up and watch the games, you could just mm -hmm. wake up early in the morning and listen to the recaps of the games, which... Take it from me, way more efficient use of your time uh, than mm -hmm. watching those West Coast games and staying up until like 2.30 in the morning uh, with that. But um, Been there, bro, that. Uh, after the Warriors uh, double overtime win over the Hawks the other night. Yeah, that was Rough. a great one to stay up for. Yeah. Kevon Looney Tippin. Friday mornings, locked on NBA. And then uh, I've got a new column over at the Step Back every week uh, that's NBA related. So check that out, please. Um, and then I uh, just wrote a piece for the ringer on the Miami Heat that is still relevant, uh, talking about kind of the stuff that we were uh, discussing about the Heat earlier in the show. There you go. Wes Goldberg. Love to see it. Love to see it. Um, thank you as always for the time. Go listen to Locked on Heat. Subscribe. All the good stuff if you have not already done so. Wes does great work and read his work as well. Uh, Wes, always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Time's man. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. 
But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.